today, in just a few minutes, three believers in Christ will uh, be baptized in obedience to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism, this water baptism that we will witness today, is, is an outward testimony before others of, of the inward change that has taken place in one's conversion to our Lord Jesus Christ. Water baptism symbolizes the spiritual reality of union with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. A union, a connection, which occurred the moment you placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. What an incredible thought, and I, I hope that we can, we can really capture this today. What an incredible thought to be connected to, to be united with, really, it's spiritual, but it's real to be connected to Jesus Christ. What an incredible thought. If you today sit in this room and are, are united to Jesus and are connected to him by faith alone, then your salvation is complete and your salvation is forever. It's an incredible gospel. Incredibly encouraging. And today as we prepare for our baptism, let's rejoice together in this truth and prepare our hearts by turning to the book of Colossians. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2 and find verse 8. And you'll notice that the whole text will be in your bulletin insert if you'd like to take a look at it there. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Okay, verse 8. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Don't be captive to philosophy, empty deception, tradition of men, elementary principles of the world. Rather, Paul says, be captivated by, be captive according to Christ. Now, the Colossian church was under quite an attack 
by a form of false teaching, a, a false gospel that proclaimed Jesus is really good. I mean, he is close. He may be even better than the best angel. But it was a false gospel because it was a gospel that says Jesus Christ and and your effort and your work, Jesus Christ, he's good, he's great, he's close, and keeping the law and the ordinances and the Sabbaths and the testimonies, Jesus Christ and his suffering combined with your sincerity, that would lead to the possibility of eternal life. And the pastor Epaphras, the, the pastor of the church in Colossae, he, he's, he's just at a loss. This is not right. He travels 1,200 miles to go talk to Paul to sort out the problem with this. And Paul writes this letter, and he addresses the issue. And if we're going to get the gospel right, Paul says you've got to get Jesus right that he is supreme and he is sufficient. And that's why we read on what Paul says about being captivated by Christ in verse 9. For in him, look at your text, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Everyone let that sink in. In Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Jesus Christ is not just a good teacher, not just a good prophet, not better than the best angel. He is all the fullness of deity. He is the God of the universe that has taken upon flesh and has a real human nature. Jesus Christ and his person is unique. He is the God-man, the God-man. His person, therefore, is enough for us. He doesn't need us to save us. But look what more he says in verse 10. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. In the, in the Greek text, it actually says, In him all the fullness dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made full. And so that if you are in Christ, then you are full in Christ. You are complete in Christ. Your salvation is complete because he is enough. His person and work is enough for you. And so what we're going to do to rejoice in this is we're going to answer two questions about this completion in Christ. What does complete in Christ mean? What do you mean by that, Paul? What does complete in Christ mean? Well, here's what it means. I'll just say it and we'll explain it. You have everything. You have everything you need for your salvation. You have a complete and full salvation in Christ. 
So the key is, if, if Jesus is enough, his person as the God-man, his work and his death and resurrection and his ongoing prayer for us, if his person and work is perfect and complete and he's there in heaven right now, seated there, there's a man in heaven, if he's there, then the one thing we need is to be connected to him, to be united to him. That's all we need. That's all we need. The key is Jesus. We have to be united to him. And Paul calls this something, you can see it six times. Let's read verses 9 through 13 and keep reading. Watch how many times you see either in Christ or with Christ mentioned. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you are also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. Six times the text says, in him or with him. Six times. And so... What does being complete in Christ mean? Well, we have to be united to Jesus. And if we are, then we are full in him. We are complete in him. A full and complete salvation. And Paul pictures this. Maybe I could have one of the deacons grab me a cup of water, a little glass of water. Thank you. There are two pictures, two symbols that, that Paul uses here to describe being complete in Christ, uh, our union with Christ. The first symbol or picture of this is circumcision in verse 11. Thank you, Brandon. Verse 11. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, just note that the circumcision here is not the actual knife cutting the, the foreskin off, but it's a spiritual circumcision here. It's, a, it's used spiritually. He says a circumcision made without hands. Um, the circumcision of Christ what is he getting at here? Well, circumcision is kind of gruesome, isn't it? And what the picture of circumcision is here is a metaphor for a cutting off, which is the ultimate cutting off and a cutting off of death. Okay, because it actually says, by the circumcision of Christ. The circumcision of Christ here is the death of Christ upon the cross. And so this 
physical picture of circumcision become, is used spiritually now to talk about Christ's death. And therefore, watch this, listen, our death with him. Our death with him. That we have been circumcised in Christ. We are actually, we have died with Christ. His death is our death. And therefore, we died to sin when we died with Christ. So this physical circumcision is just a symbol of a deeper spiritual reality. The death of Christ and the circumcision of Christ and our death with him. And that is when we died with Christ, we actually, when he died, we died. He was cut off for our sin. We were, our sin was cut off in him. The old nature, old at the old nature from Adam, the body of this flesh has been cut off at the cross of Calvary. It really happened. It's a spiritual reality. So in Christ, Christians now have, are not connected to Adam. That's been cut off. That's the death of circumcision. And we have actually been united to Jesus Christ so that his righteousness is ours and that we can live for him in him as before, we could only obey the old impulse of our sin nature. Paul says it in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Paul starts, let me start with circumcision that's the debt. You died with him. You were cut off. You died with Christ. But then he goes on. <clears> he <throat> uses another symbol, another picture, and uses the picture of baptism. Take a look at it in verse 12. <clears throat> Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay? So there's the picture of, <clears throat> in baptism, is what a perfect picture of going under the water, right? Under the water and being buried and die, dying with Christ and being buried with Christ. But what? Are we staying under the water? No, we come up out of the water and that is a picture of our newness in Jesus Christ, our new life in Christ. Okay? So baptism here, like, like circumcision, is a picture of the believer's union with Christ. A real spiritual union with Christ. And water baptism is a picture of that. Physical circumcision is not in view in verse 11. It's a spiritual reality symbolized by a physical one. The same is true with baptism. It is a symbol of of the true spiritual reality. And both circumcision and baptism speak of death and burial with Christ. And then baptism takes us further 
into rising with newness in Christ. So I'm super thankful and glad for the symbol of water baptism. It's quite a picture. Look at it as we keep reading in verse 12. In which, okay, in which, so you have been buried with him in, in baptism, in which, in that baptism, you were also raised up with him. How? Through faith. It's spiritual. Through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And so it's faith that connects us to Jesus Christ. Listen, what, when you believed in Jesus, you were baptized, that is, immersed by the Spirit into Jesus Christ. That is the reality. Water baptism is a wonderful picture of that reality. Dying with Christ and rising with Christ. Faith in God's power. And so, the Colossians, Paul is arguing, possessed by faith alone a fullness, a completeness, because they were united to Christ. They, they actually participated in his death, burial, and resurrection by faith in God's power. And so we are in Christ. We don't need to add to our faith. We don't need to add works to be united to Christ. If we are plunged in the ocean of Jesus and surrounded by him, he is absolutely enough for us. We are sufficient and complete in him. We need to trust his work alone. And so being complete in Christ is this whole salvation. Being connected to Jesus by faith, we are complete. It's a finished salvation in Christ. It's a complete righteousness in Jesus. It's a complete forgiveness in Jesus. It's a complete redemption in Jesus. It's not a partial reconciliation where we finish it. It's a complete reconciliation in Jesus. It's not a partial adoption. The papers are signed. We are seated at his table. It is a finished adoption in Jesus Christ by faith alone. It's a complete freedom in Jesus. When we trust in him, we are united to him. So that, are you ready? His death is your death. And therefore, his life is your life. Now, could Jesus come out of the grave? Could Jesus come out of the grave if just one sin was left unpaid for? No, he wouldn't have finished it. How could you be raised up to newness of life if your sin wasn't fully and finally been dealt with at the cross of Calvary? It would be impossible. You would be still dead in your trespasses and sin. We are complete in Christ. He's alive. We're alive. So that we, And he's in heaven right now. Do you realize that Christ is in heaven right now and we are tethered to him so that Paul can actually write that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies right now, that is so finished and final, is our union with Christ. That's why Paul can go on to write in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with him, raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, 
and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. So, being complete in Christ, what is it? That means that you have a whole and full salvation because you are joined to Jesus by faith spiritually. And that is pictured by the symbol of circumcision and the symbol of water baptism that Paul uses. How is this possible that we could be, sinners like us could be united to Christ? Have you ever thought about that? How is that possible? Well, you can't earn it. You can't add to it. You can't work for it. You don't deserve it. You can't trigger it. You can't complete it. It's finished. How is it possible? Well, let's answer our second question. How is completion in Christ possible? It's a great question. Paul means to answer it in our passage. A full salvation by virtue of our union with Jesus, the God-man. That's what completion in Christ means. It's to be had not by the symbols, but by the spiritual reality through faith alone. But you say, that shouldn't be. That's too good to be true. Answer? Look what Paul says. How is completion in Christ possible? It's incredible. Look at verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. There's uncircumcision being used symbolically again, by the way, in verse 13. When you are dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of of your flesh, he made you alive together. You're dead six feet under because of your sin. Buried and dead, but God, but God made you alive together with Christ. God had to do something to make us alive. But the problem is, Jesus only comes out if he's paid for sin. How can we come alive if our sin is still around? Oh, well, keep reading. Keep reading. How is completion in Christ possible? How is this possible? Verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. In order to make us alive, a past tense event has to have taken place. God has to have dealt with all of your sins. All of them, past, present, and future, must be gone. It, you, or you would never come to newness in life. You could never come up from the grave with Christ. If your sins were still there, you could not rise. Christ has to deal with your sin. And that's where Paul goes. How is it possible? The answer is forgiveness. There, one word. How is it possible to be complete in Christ? Forgiveness of our sins. Forgiveness of our sins. Having forgiven us all our transgressions. How many of our transgressions? 
all. It's in the Greek text. All. Past. If any past sins are still there, wherein we cannot be united to him, we cannot rise with him. All. Past. Present. Future. Sins. Have to be forgiven. Paul says, even I, he concludes himself, our, in this declaration. Oh, what a doctrine is forgiveness. Let me just read one verse, Isaiah 1.18. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, uh, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. You say, Oh, I am so glad we serve a God who is so loving. He just takes my sins, past, present, and future. Apparently knows about them, but sweeps them under the rug, ignores them, and allows me to be united to Christ and to rise with Him. Well, the problem is forgiveness was much more costly than that. And Paul gives an illustration to help us understand what actually happened. So keep reading in verse 14. End of verse 13. So here, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Okay, now watch this. How does he forgive us all of our transgressions? What does that mean? Verse 14 answers that. You want to know what forgiveness is? Look at verse 14. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, and how did he do that? Having nailed it to the cross. This is incredible. Now, everyone, everyone listen carefully, and just this is... Listen very carefully. God can't just sweep stuff under the rug, sin under the rug. He's, he's a just and righteous and holy God. And sin is a violation, a transgression of his law. He's a just judge. And we have broken his law. And he's not, he's not a stupid judge and incompetent like we see today. No, no, perfectly competent. And he's perfectly just. And, and so it says that these decrees against us, these sins, it was hostile to us. Now, what is this certificate of debt? Now, watch this. This certificate of debt is an IOU to God. It is, Paul's using an illustration, and there's a spiritual reality here, where we have on a document proof of our obligation to God to pay for our sins. Jim, if I buy your car, I sign a little contract, probably wouldn't be much with us, but I, Jeff Rich, promise to pay Jim $400, right, good deal, for your car, we, I sign it. It's a contract. We have a IOU to God that is written in our own hand, that is damning against us. I, Jeff Rich, 
in 2002 stole the paper clips from the office. I, Jeff Rich, lied to try to make myself look better on this state and on this state and on this state, written in my own hand. On this state, I took the Lord's name in vain. On this date, I was angry with my brother and didn't want anything to do with him. On this date, I looked with lust at another woman. On this date, I was just lazy. On this date, I looked at my phone too long. On this date, and every date, I failed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. On this date, on every date, I failed to love my neighbor as myself. Scroll after scroll is unrolled. This promissory note goes on and on and on, written in my own hand. I, Jeff Ridge, owe God for the violation of his law. It stands as a testimony. It's hostile against me. It's hostile against you, is it not? What does your note say? That's why Paul can write about our long list. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. And the wages of sin is death. And the contract says... Jeff must pay the penalty for his sin against a thrice holy God. And if you sin against holy imperfection and infinite holiness, the punishment must be infinite. What can I do to that? What kind of drops of water can I do to that? What kind of work can I add to that? How can I appease that? How can I pay that back? I cannot, separated from God, which is what death is in the Bible. It's separation from God. And my list is long. How long is your list? My list is long. My, I owe you to God. In fact, listen to this. Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. How are you doing with getting it 100% right? Raise your hand if your list is blank. Which is why the gospel is so amazing. Because <laughs> keep reading. Verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt. Hold on. I want to think about that word. Canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees, plural, against us, which was hostile to us. So the word for canceled out means, um, well, <clears throat> erased. Write that down, erased. Now, 
Back in the day, they had vellum skins, and they were able to put some ink on it and actually erase it. Think of our illustration might be a whiteboard. You got the whiteboard up here with your list. I, Jeff Rich, oh God, for this. And he erases that whiteboard. He, he cancels it. He wipes it out. He erases it. He obliterates it. But not only does our God do that for us, it says, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So this document isn't just, this whiteboard is erased, but there might be a little left. I might not have erased well enough. So what he does is he takes the, the, the document, and it says he nailed it to the cross, which means he obliterates the document itself. It's gone. It's obliterated at the cross of Calvary. It's totally removed. The text says perfect tense, past tense, with permanent ongoing significance, having taken it out of the way. Because he nailed it. How did he do that? Because he nailed it to the cross. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins well you say that sounds a little bit like sweeping under the rug to me whiteboard kind of thing that's why the last part is so important how could he have take, how can we be forgiven of all of our sins well he obliterated the IOU but how did he do that having nailed it to the cross. You see, Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And when, when he went to the cross of Calvary, hear me on this, when he went to the tree, he did not go and suffer for six hours the wrath of a, of a divine justice for his own sins. He had all of our IOU, and they're long, every single one of them, for all who would ever believe, for all of time, were pounded upon the tree. And he did generically. He actually paid in his own body in six hours, fully God, so he could do it. He could finish it as an eternal being. In six hours, in his own body, he obliterated your list. Every one of the just punishments for your specific sins fell upon the cross, fell upon Jesus on the cross of Calvary. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why the darkness as the forces of darkness were hurled upon him? He did it for us. He paid for our sins, and he hung there, and he paid all of your sins, past, present, and future. And in the end, he said, tetelestai, which means in one word, it means it is finished. He finished paying your debt. You say, how do I know it's finished? Well, he went down into the water, right? All your sins are bared on him. Did he stay there? Did he stay in the grave? No, he came up out of the grave, and the proof 
that it is finished, that your sin is finished, is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Death and sin, his own, he didn't have any, and yours was paid for in in that time period. And so he could burst forth from the grave, having conquered death. And so, through his death and through his resurrection, and he's alive and well, he has purchased the right and the authority to offer to you today And you've experienced it and get to testify it. And to each one of you, to offer to you today to become a child of God today. He's alive so you can be resurrected today. He's alive so you can be a new creation in Christ Jesus today. He's alive so you can call out for forgiveness in his perfect righteousness today. Today. It's available. There's room at the cross for you. He's alive. He's the same And he's alive for you today. Victory over sin. (laughs) And I love verse 15. I'll just quickly read it. uh, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him or through the cross. And so our great enemy of sin has been taken care of at the cross. But you know what our other great enemy is? Satan. And at the cross of Calvary, when Jesus said it is finished and then came up from the grave, he disarmed Satan. He robbed him of his power. He robbed him of his armament. You know what his armament is? You know what Satan waves in your face your whole life? Your certificate of debt. Here it is. This is you. You're done. Or, it's not too bad. Just keep being a self-righteous person. That's really not too bad. Don't look at it. Or, Judge, judge, he waves it in your face. And he is disarmed at the cross of Calvary. There's no more paperwork. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The certificate is erased. It's been obliterated at the cross. He's been disarmed. Satan himself has been disarmed. And he has paraded, the text said, like an old general would parade a captured general through the city, not yet dead, but perfectly conquered and mocked. There's no longer any certificate of debt. It's gone, obliterated at the cross of Calvary. And we must preach this truth to to us all the time, especially when we get up and talk. Martin Luther, as one pastor said well in his words, experienced the reality of this truth. Listen carefully. Martin Luther in a dream. And in that dream, Luther was visited at night by Satan. And Satan brought to him a record in that dream of his own life, written in Luther's own hand. The tempter said to him, Is it true? Did you do this? Did you write this? Is this your handwriting? Is this your signature? The poor, terrified Luther had to confess it was all true. Scroll after scroll was unrolled. The same confession was wrung from him again and again. 
At length the evil one prepared to take his departure, having brought Luther down to the lowest depths of misery. Suddenly, the reformer Martin Luther turned to the tempter and said, It is true, every word of it, but right across it all, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It is finished. It's finished. No wonder Paul said, I don't preach anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. No wonder Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, may it, uh, may it never be that I would boast except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen very carefully. Today can be that day where you Come to Jesus and receive this forgiveness. You don't have to earn it or work for it. You have to stop it. Stop earning and working for it. Plunge yourself into Jesus, into his finished work. Have you believed in Jesus for full forgiveness, for his perfect righteousness, for his eternal life as you're united to him? Don't go another day with that certificate. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I know my list of violations against you and frankly just ignoring you and putting you on the shelf all these years, day after day. I deserve separation from you. You're a just and holy judge. I deserve hell itself. Don't know, I don't understand hell. It sounds awful, but I deserve it for my sins. If you can say that, then you can say this. I hope you see, I hope you see a complete Savior, a full Savior, fully God and fully man who's alive. I hope you see that you can be complete in him to, today. If you just simply put your trust in him and say, please save me, Jesus. Please forgive me, Jesus. I can tell you those who are sitting right here up front can testify today that this has happened to them. <laughs> that you've trusted in Jesus. And there's that, that joy of that certificate of debt being removed. And there's the newness of life, right, in walking with Jesus. And so they come here this morning in this baptism service not to receive any saving grace from the waters, but to testify of a saving grace that they've already received in their souls by a simple faith in the message of Jesus Christ. And they will stand before you and Come into the water in obedience to the Lord's command. I want you to be excited this morning. I want you to be rejoicing this morning as you meditate on the amazing truth that this baptism symbolizes. As Melody and Emily and Kean are baptized, that, this, 
watery baptism over here will signify, listen, what the Lord actually did for them when they cried out in faith to Jesus. What a perfect picture. The old man will be lowered into the waters, signifying your death and burial with Christ. But you don't stay there, right? Because Christ is alive and you're tethered to him, you're united to him by faith. So if he rose, you must have risen up out of the water, signifying washing away of the guilt of sin, signifying walking in new life with Christ. As Romans 6, 4 says, we were buried therefore with him. There's union with Christ language. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so we celebrate this morning the new life that God has granted these dear believers here this morning. And we rejoice that by God's grace, they have made a profession of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also rejoice that they want to obey Christ and say to the believers in this church, I'm a follower of Jesus. Go with me. Go with me. Let's do this together. This is your commitment. May God now richly bless our obedience to his word.